night Late December back in 63 What a very special time for me What a lady, what a night Oh, what a night Do, 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 do Yeah, welcome back from the brink I am Todd Brinker Aaron will be joining us shortly uh, we are celebrating Friday. It is Friday the 5th of June, and it is so nice to be to Friday, which, oddly enough, sounds weird because we really had a long period of time where, um, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it didn't seem to matter that much because it was all blurring into one another. But um, uh, I've actually kind of been looking forward to my Friday, so... Here we go. Um, in the Inland Empire, in uh, Redlands, San Bernardino area, out by what used to be Norton Air Force Base, there is a large Amazon warehouse, and it is burning. Now, if you've ever seen Amazon warehouse, excuse me, if you've ever seen Amazon warehouses, they don't do them small. There is no such thing as a petite Amazon warehouse, and this thing is burning all over the place. And it's like typical of warehousing buildings; they're you know cement tilt-up buildings. They they put the rebar on the ground, they pour the cement and let it flatten, and then they just tilt the walls up and attach them. And some of those walls are now tilting back away. It's like the, the they're collapsing. So some of the structure inside the buildings have been damaged. Um, I haven't seen any images of the wa- any walls that have fallen, but you can see they've separated and they're leaning back out. So they may. Um, and uh, there is just uh, mayhem everywhere. If you go to... Um, uh, Periscope.tv and search for 564 fire. You can see live video of the fire. Um, and uh, it is something, let me tell you. Um, I uh, am very, uh, very concerned for the people that work there. Uh, and, you know, what this is going to mean for them long term. The uh, one would hope, one would hope that um, you know this isn't going to be a, uh, uh, a catastrophic loss for people's jobs. That there's other uh, Amazon warehouses, but most of them are staffed pretty, uh, are staffed as well. So it's uh, you know who knows what's going to happen in the long run, because um, you know it is uh, it is pretty catastrophic. Clearly this warehouse is not going to be functioning for quite some time. Um, and, uh, and that means, you know, and, and further than that, I say, you know, a loss of jobs, let's hope there's nobody in there that, or that everybody who was in there got out and that they are safe because, um, you know, if you're in the middle of a giant warehouse, I mean, imagine being in the middle of your Lowe's or, or Home Depot or Costco and suddenly fire breaks out and you've got to rush to get out of there. And there's hundreds of people in the place. Um, that's always a concern about people, can't, you know, getting out. Uh, and where's the exits, and how do you get out of this place when bad things start happening? So, um, you know, let's hope, let's hope for the best. And uh, and our firefighters are there. Um, apparently, it's a three alarm fire, so there's a fair number of uh, large uh, water trucks and ladder trucks spraying into and on the building, and firemen all over the place. 
and the video that we're getting is just phenomenal. I mean, he's walking right up to and under and, and around where the firefighters are working, and I'm carefully staying out of their way, but uh, just it's you, you really see what they're doing and appreciate how much they're putting their lives at risk to make sure that this is you know controlled and not uh, going to spread to other warehouses and possibly injure more people. But uh, the, he's showing a piece of video right now where part of a wall is clearly tilting away from the building and at some point may fall if they don't get the fire out. They're putting a lot of water um, in that area right now, I think, to make sure that the water, that the fire right on the other side of that wall is, is controlled as much as possible so that they uh, can maybe save some of the structure of the building. You've got to assume then that the, most of the roof is already collapsed in that area. So, yeah, fires are no bueno. Um, but there's other stuff going on in the world as well, so let's see what that is, and hopefully Aaron will call in shortly. Um, let's see. So J.C. Penney says that it's closing 154 locations uh, in for the the Southland. That means Chino and San Bernardino, um, that's the area that uh, that I live in in the country. But 154 locations around the world, so there'll be a lot of job loss there. J.C. Penney's has been a company that's been struggling for a while. Um, and so it, it, it's perhaps not a surprise that when we have an economic stressor like we've had with COVID and the shutdowns, that that was more than they could handle. And so um, their intent is to uh, declare bankruptcy, shut down a bunch of stores, and then restructure and maybe see if they can uh, make a go of it as a smaller company. Um, at the same time, gambling is starting to uh, open back up in Las Vegas. They are... Uh, um, creating some spacing within the uh, gaming areas so that you won't be sitting right next to somebody at uh, at slot machines and uh, tables, but they're they are opening back up and uh, you know hotels will have different rules. I think they're going to require masks in the public areas, and we'll see what happens. Um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens now. Uh, the other thing that's been happening is a variety of restaurants have been opening up and, uh, you know, who opens, who closes, what goes on. That's a, been a, a tough decision. And so you really need to call your uh, your local restaurants and find out whether they're opening dining rooms if you want to go sit in a dining room. Um, some places are choosing to stay closed. Um, Dave & Buster's Hometown Buffet, Black Angus Steakhouse are staying closed uh, as far as some of the chains in the area. Um, Coco's, Eureka Burger, Golden Corral, Mimi's Bistro, Panini Kab- uh, Kebab Grill, Slater's Fifty Fifty. There's some locations open, some not. You need to call. Um, open for pickup and delivery only, Romano's Macaroni Grill and Cracker Barrel. Um, and then some that are reopening their dining rooms are uh, Applebee's, BJ's, Black Bear Diner, Buffalo Wild Wings, Chili's, Claim Jumper, Corky's Kitchen, uh, Denny's, El Torito, IHOP, Lazy Dogs, Longhorn, Lucille's, Marie Callender's, Norm's, and Olive Garden. So there's a good number of the chains that are just opening up their dining rooms. Um, I know uh, I happened to do a, a pick up a meal at a Corky's recently. In fact, it was the day before they opened their dining rooms. And they had uh, created more spacing in their open floor with their tables. And they had put um, uh, a barrier between each of the uh, each of the booths so that if you're sitting in a booth there was no way for people behind you or, or across from you to get into the booth the booth would only be open on the side that your server would come up to 
um, and they were um, uh, requiring servers to continue to wear masks. Uh, so, you know, they're doing what they can and trying to be reasonable in terms of uh, what works. Other places that are opening dining rooms, Outback, uh, P.F. Chang's, Rainforest Cafe, Red Lobster, Red Robin, Sizzler, TGI Fridays, the Cheesecake Factory, the Spaghetti Factory, I'm sorry, the old Spaghetti Factory, and Yard House. So um, if you're itching to get out and go somewhere, um, there's a lot of places that are opening up, and you can go try it and see how, how you feel. I guess it just depends on what you feel like your uh, level of risk tolerance is and how much risk you perceive there really is. Um, so it seems like quite a few more places are opening up than not. And, uh, and you know, I mean, economically, that's got to be a good thing. And we will find out, you know, over time whether or not the accommodations that have been put in place to maintain social distancing while you're out eating um, are sufficient to minimize transmission. I think that it's going to do nothing other than help in that area. It's a question of how much it's going to help. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, too. You've got to think that a lot of people uh, are not getting the cold this year or not getting a flu this year because these same procedures that we're going through to protect ourselves from COVID also protect protect us from you know other viruses that we might catch and things that we might have normally been exposed to and so um you know just being a more cautious society in general in order to open these places back up might um, also go a long way towards making us healthier um just because we are taking care in you know what we touch and 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 um wiping things down more regularly and just being more cognizant of the fact that there's germs out there that can affect us and that that might uh, might be something that we want to pay attention to. Hey, here's Aaron. Let's have her join us. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good. I'm seeing gray smoke now and it looks like, I mean, it's not black smoke anymore. Um, of course, there's more daylight than was when I was trying to drive to work. Sure. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's crazy out there. Yeah. The videos that we're seeing seems like they're, they're, um, they're beating it back. I wouldn't say they've got it controlled yet, but they definitely are, are controlling it. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, it's hopefully on the downside and I still haven't heard anything about, you know, whether there were people inside working and how they got out. And, and I'm sure that'll all come out in time because this is going to be big news. Well, they uh, run 24-hour shifts there, so you, yeah. I assume that there were people there. That would be my guess, too. I just I don't know that for a fact. You know, I mean, they clearly had people who were there and able to get out and start moving the little uh, tractors and shuffling um, uh, uh, the, the loads around so that they could make space for the firemen to get up to the dock. Because some of the early uh, images, you know, the, the trucks were all backed up to the loading dock, and the firemen could barely get in between them to fight the fire at the building. And then some of the trucks were catching on fire. And so it was like, you know, what do you do? You can't get in there. Um, but it uh, looks like they started helping and, and making space for the firemen. Um, and they've got just, you know, ladder trucks all over the place shooting streams of water from up high down onto the roof of the building. It looks to me like, at least in some areas, the roof has certainly collapsed as walls have kind of tilted out and stuff. So, Oh, we'll you see. know that fire's burning hot. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because, I mean, if, if you see walls tilting back out, that means that, that, the, um, uh, that the rebar and the uh, reinforcement between each of the tilt-up panels has given way, and the wall is now 
you know, basically a freestanding wall, and or the roof is, roof is collapsed, which would give it that stabilization to hold it there. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's ugly. It's ugly. And this is interesting. There's a couple cars parked right up against the building, but they look like they're... In fact, there's quite a few cars parked right up against the building. Nobody moved their cars. That seems Maybe they were told to not to. They were told to just get out. Yeah, Although probably. You, think, you know, each one of those cars is essentially a bomb. Yeah. Because they have fuel in them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. I was talking to a neighbor one time, and they were concerned about the fact that there was a tree that would drop some leaves and that, that would be a fire hazard. And I said, you know, that the car sitting underneath the tree is filled with a bunch of explosive liquids that's much more of a fire hazard than a few leaves from the tree when they fall down sweep them up and you'll be fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> like hey you know it's a tree they drop leaves it's uh you know one of those things um crazy crazy craziness yeah. so i hope that it doesn't take all day to get it get it out the good news is it's supposed to be cooler today all day than it has been this week. Yeah, yeah, um, we're cooling down, cooling down into the weekend. Yay! I know. Well, and I haven't, you know, because we had a curfew. We didn't have it last night, but I worked until eight o'clock, almost eight o'clock. Um, uh, but uh, I haven't walked this week, and I still have my quadzilla to finish. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. <laughs> getting down um, to the nitty gritty. Getting down to the nitty gritty. Uh, yeah. yeah. How 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 many miles have you walked? I'm about halfway. Um, I'm over halfway, but I don't remember exactly where I'm at. I didn't log yesterday. I had some time yesterday and I didn't log it, so I need to do that. To go back and look at my watch and see what I actually did. Yeah, I've been having fun with it. I've been putting up shirts like, uh, thanks for the support from the, uh, Luke's Diner, which if people recall was from, um, Gilmore Girls. And, yes. uh, I've got a t-shirt saying, thanks for the support from all the folks down at the Moss Isley Cantina. And, uh... I've got a Central Perk T-shirt, and uh, I've got one that I'm going to post today. There's a uh, company called Delos, and they're a fictional company from Westworld. They're the company that makes all of the um, the robots in Westworld. So I'm going to thank Delos for their support. <laughs> so, so the cantina is from what show? Oh, the uh, Moss Eisley Cantina is the first Star Wars. Oh. When you go in, it, it in fact, uh, it, it says Moss Eisley Cantina, and underneath it, it says, um, you know, uh, something to the effect of, uh, we don't like you, and, and our friends don't like you either, uh, <laughs> which is a, a line from the, from yes, the movie. Yes, that I recognize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, I've been having no, fun with my, my, my social posts uh, on the, um, on the uh, what is it, the Go app? Um, Atlas Go app. Atlas Go app. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. I griped about them at, a little bit at the front end because the app had a lot of issues, but the, they've worked up um, uh, virtually all of them out, and it's and it's working fine for us now. And uh, so I'm having fun with it, which was the whole point of the thing is to have some fun and do some good, raise a little bit of money. Hey, I got a exactly. question for you. Um, yes. And, and by the way, if anybody's listening to this, it's over on the 15th. You've got 10 more days. You could still get in a 5K. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. You could get in a 10K. You could get in a marathon. Yeah, well, I, you couldn't. Know, I couldn't, but some people could. I some people could. <laughs> yeah. My brother, your husband could, Tobin could do it, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say it could be done, but uh, somebody, 
could do it. Hey, do you know when shirts are coming in? Because um, I ordered shirts for uh, uh, before it started, and I was hoping that we would see some before they showed up because I wanted to take a sh- picture of myself with the shirt on too. Okay, okay. So the shirts are are that's being handled by um, uh, Custom Ink, uh-huh. and they won't ship shirts until. Uh, the end of the race, and they'll ship them all together. Ah, that's okay. how they. That's how they do it. Okay, okay. I somehow had thought somewhere I read that they were going to ship them like right in the middle, and we might see them before the fifteenth of June. So, um, but they do great work. I, Custom Ink does does quality stuff. I've ordered um, uh, printed products from them before, so um, we'll just look forward to getting those and wear them proudly other times. You know, it's uh, we just we have a very small staff at Making Hope Happen Foundation, and. Custom Ink manages the fulfillment, and mm-hmm. so um, we wanted to make sure um, that uh, we, we wanted to have somebody else do that part because we don't have the bandwidth to do it. So yeah. that's why we went with Custom Ink. Yeah, and that's a great way to do it. A lot of a lot of organizations do that. They work with Custom Ink and other companies like that, where you know you, that we design it and say, okay, now go order it from them. Um, and, yes. and then they will, you know, cause that's what they do. They make custom printed stuff and ship it out. And so, yes. you know. Your specialty is in helping people who need help and uh, and uh, and running a nonprofit. It is not printing and delivering T-shirts. So, exactly. You know. Well, and also we wanted to not overorder. You know, it's often with events that you have to you have to guess mm-hmm. what sizes people will want and whether they mm-hmm. want a male of a cut, the unisex cut or the women's cut or you know. And this way, people order what they want, and we don't have any extra. Yeah. So um, we're going to buy a few extra to give out as as um, as uh, giveaway items for other things, um, but we're not, you know, we, we're not left with a bunch of inventory that we don't need. We're really trying to keep our costs at a minimum, and this was yeah. a way of doing it. Yeah, no, perfect sense because again, you, you know, if, if you're running or working for a nonprofit, or even donating to a nonprofit, you don't want to hear that they've wasted, you know, a couple hundred dollars on shirts that are now sitting in a box somewhere because they had too many of them and didn't quite get enough people signed up for this or that or the other way that happened to want, the, you know, this size T-shirt. Right. Um, this makes so much more sense because then that money that wasn't wasted on T-shirts that didn't get used will go into directly supporting the good work that you guys are doing. Exactly. Exactly. So, exactly. Very so. smart. Very smart. Those buildings are tilting out even more and more. I'm, I am I hate to say this, but I've turned into one of those like um, I'm waiting to see the, the wall collapse. I just it's going to happen. It's gonna happen. I'm waiting for it you to happen. If I weren't driving, I'd be looking at it too. Yeah. Um, because it's it is you can't help it. Yeah. Um, and it's again, mesmerizing. how many thousands of jobs are in that warehouse? Yeah. And those people now no, won't have jobs. Yeah, that's what I was talking about before you came on. Is my concern is a that they're safe. That we, I hope they got everybody out and that everybody is safe and that there aren't any any fatalities in this fire. And b then what are we going to do for these people because there's a ton of people who aren't going to have work. And I know they've got other Amazon warehouses in the area, but they're already staffed. So some people might be able to go over there and help fill in and keep working, but the vast majority of people. You know, where are they going to go? I mean, yeah. and how, how quickly can Amazon spool back up? Because they had a warehouse here because they needed it, which means that, you know, we'll probably see delays in shipping for quite a while as they try to get back to, uh, you know, well, full working order, which is minor I, in comparison to losing a job. But I pray that they don't, don't make the decision that they don't need it. I pray that they make the decision oh. to rebuild there. You know, I mean, they, you have choices when things like this happen. And True. Hadn't even occurred uh, to me. You're right. They could just say, "Forget it. We'll uh, we'll expand the warehouse, you know, in a different area." 
Yep. And and a lot of people living and working in in, in San Bernardino are going to go, but I can't drive over there to work. That's too far. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Um, I I this is really this is really bad. And if they if it does turn out that it was arson, man. I don't, I don't see how it couldn't be, given what we're seeing. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, we might be wrong. We don't know, but um, but just the the breadth of where the fire is is what's astounding. And especially if right. there's people working there 24 hours a day, you're going like somebody had to go along and light fires or or set down things that then ignited later. I mean, there's just no way that that. I mean, this building is blocks long. How is yes, it all it is. burning at the same time? Right. You know, Cause somebody, I, my, the only answer in my mind and I'm not an expert, but yeah. the only answer in my mind is that it was intentionally uh, set so that it would burn all right. at the same time. Yeah. Sitting started in different places within the building. Uh, yes. That said, uh, yeah, neither of us are experts. And, you know, um, I don't know how the building was built. It, it unfortunately may have had some very combustible stuff in it, like we said Amazon warehouses have to have tons and tons and tons of cardboard boxes in which they package all this stuff in. Um, and so, uh, you know, maybe once a fire starts, it takes off like gangbusters. Um, I tell you what, that's uh, if that's the case, then Amazon people aren't paid enough to work in hazardous conditions. Yeah. Uh, so the good news is, is that it's it's chilly and drizzly. So um, at least, the, like we said, at least the mm-hmm. weather is... Um, uh, cooperating. On, yeah, it's on the firefighter side, which is great news. Yeah, can you imagine so. this happened a few days back when we were over 100? No. Oh, I my mean, goodness. This time in the morning, it was already 80 degrees then. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. You know, just so, a few what, days ago. What other things so. are happening in the news, Todd? Um, yeah, let's talk about something I, other than the no, fire. No, I can't look anything up. I'm kind of yeah. stuck because I'm driving yeah. and I'm stuck so, in traffic. Um, well, you know what? I had kind of um, started looking at some of the stuff that we didn't talk about in the show because of just the fire and and uh, and uh, Adam joining us on, on the radio show this morning. And so we didn't talk about the fact that, well, I guess we briefly talked about JCPenney closing 150-plus stores and stuff. Um, and I went through a lot of the uh, names of the restaurant chains that are going in um let's see researchers retract study warning about chloroquine now that's interesting because i've heard everywhere everywhere a lot of people are shutting down their studies saying that this doesn't do anything and it's not safe so uh authors of a well-publicized study indicating that chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine treatments could be unsafe no longer stand behind their work wow that's interesting that is interesting the medical journal the lancet said that authors asked that their paper be retracted we can no longer vouch for the veracity of the primary data sources said authors who did not give the data themselves other observational studies also have found that the drugs didn't help covid19 patients but this study reported that patients were more likely to die after taking either drug uh, because they could result in abnormal heart rhythms well that that i would question that anyway because these drugs have been around a long time they've just been used for other uses and doctors know about their possible side effects and that they need to monitor heart issues right it's used for lupus and malaria and i think a couple of other things yeah yeah so there's several on-label uses for these that that doctors should know about and they should know about the possible side effects and if they didn't then they're not a doctor I would want to be going to. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know, it's like you're going to prescribe something to me and don't know what it might do to me and don't know that I need to be monitored because it could cause. Some, that's not a doctor I want to call on. Um, 
But uh, anyway, they said that that prompted the suspension of some clinical trials initially. And then after looking at the issue, the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine questioned the data produced by a company called Surgisphere. It'll be interesting to see who Surgisphere is. Um, um, It says that it doesn't make using the antimalarial drugs against COVID-19 safe or effective. Uh, It just means that they aren't necessarily... um, uh, a risk to your heart any more than they were before they were being used for COVID-19. Um, which, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, my, and my thought is, is if it's being used successfully in Europe, and it is, mm-hmm. um, uh, then, then, I mean, are they physiologically so different from people in America? Well, of course not. I mean, that's ridiculous. And yeah. so, you know, the thought that this was a dangerous drug, and people use that language in the media that it was a dangerous drug um mm-hmm. it's like now hang on a second people are yeah. taking this all over the country now for other reasons well all over and they're the not world yeah. all over the world but they're not dropping like flies so you know stop with the hyperbole it's not helpful yeah it sounds like that was some politics creeping into it because uh, it was something that the uh president came out with a lot of veracity for and so then his opponents immediately had to say well if he says it's good then we say it's bad if he says it's up, we say it's down. And he does the same thing. So, I mean, it's not like it's, it goes one way. You know, if, if, if the Democrats say A, then he says B. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's you know, it's to the point where virtually anything that, that uh, you, you certainly have to question stuff when you hear it, I think. You just need to be a, 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 um, an informed listener when you, when you hear uh, anything in the news and, and verify. I was listening to a podcast the other day and one of the um, guests had said, yeah, he said, I don't really pay any attention to anything unless I see it in three independent places. And those three independent places have to have sort of um, uh, differing standard political uh, perspectives. He says, I I need to see it like on Fox, PBS, and one foreign source like BBC or Al Qaeda or something. He says, if I see it in those three places, and he says, and even then, I look at what is common in their stories because what happens is they take things that are commentary and blend it with the news, and then they word it such that it sort of sounds like that's part of the news. He says, you've got to say, well, what was common about what Al Qaeda, you know, or Al Qaeda, right? Al Qaeda? No, Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera, um, you know, the the BBC, uh, Fox News, and ABC said. And and then that's probably the, the nugget of truth in all of this, you know. And unfortunately, that's a lot of work, and most people don't do it. But um, you know, I was actually scolded by somebody on my Facebook page, whom I know well, and Tobin had you know went to high school with her, um, uh, but because the headline that a C and a CNN um, article was misleading, and that that I should know better than to post. Uh, headlines like that because people only read headlines and I said you know I'm not responsible CNN is not responsible for um, for the laziness of its viewers and readers and she said yes but they should know and you know should be you, you shouldn't post stuff like that you've got to be kidding me yeah read the article dude yeah yeah it's <laughs> like if you yeah <laughs> if, if all you're reading is headlines then then you deserve the news you get because uh, right. headlines have for years and years, going back to newspapers and magazines, have always been attention getters. And they are they, the original clickbait. Yeah, exactly. They are. They are. They have never been accurate as to what the story talks about. In you know, it, they're they're all about getting you to read into the story. And if they don't do that, then they're failing. 
And so, you know, if you read a headline and don't read it because you think it's 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 uh, uh, differing in your pre-existing opinion, uh, then you're doing yourself a disservice by not reading into the story because the story could be something totally different. What people don't yes. realize is that in, in newspaper and magazines and um, very much on websites, the editor that writes headlines is a different person than the one who wrote the story. It's not like an, uh, I write a story for uh, for you know the New York Times or something, and then I get to put the headline on it. I write the story and submit it. An editor go throughs and goes through and edits it for space in order to fit into the space they have in the paper. And so very very often, sometimes the meaning of, of, of certain paragraphs and sentences are changed slightly because they cut things out. And they try to do it without changing it. They read through it, and they try to make intelligent cuts. But sometimes they're under a deadline, and they're doing it very quickly. And then, after they've edited for space, a headline writer will sit down and read the story and then think, what's the best way to get somebody's eyeballs here? And they will write a headline. And so the original author is now two people removed from what goes actually out onto the web or onto a, onto the printed page. And the headline writer's job isn't to, to um, you know, promote the accuracy of the story. It's to say something that gets people to read the story. And usually that means that it is clickbait. And it's been that way for the history of printed news. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. I knew writers when I worked for the newspaper who were furious at the headlines and the edits that got put on their stories. I, I remember seeing arguments and screaming matches in the hall where writers were screaming at editors going, you changed what it meant. It's not the and the editor just goes. It's my job to change the story. And it's like it's your yes, job it's to my edit name the, on the article exactly. Yeah. And he's going like, but your job is to change the to, to to edit it to fit, not change the meaning of the story, you know. And, and I mean, red face screaming matches because these people were passionate about it. And you know, writers like you said, it's their name on the story. It's it's their it's their, their legacy. Byline. It's their byline, and that's a big deal because you know as they move through uh, as a writer in this world, they're held accountable for what what they wrote. And, you know, if what's published isn't what they wrote, then they're livid. <laughs> they're absolutely livid. Um, you know, and honestly, those arguments was part of what made me feel good about the newspaper because people cared about getting it right. What made me feel bad about the newspaper is if I saw people making those changes and not caring and, and slapping it together to get it out, you know, and, and worried more about the deadline than the quality of the content. Because um, there, were, there were some people who also said, well, you know, today's newspaper will be lining a birdcage tomorrow or wrapping a fish. And uh, and so no big deal. We'll just, you know, we'll print our traction tomorrow and keep on rolling. And that attitude discouraged me incredibly. Um, I will yeah. say that the vast majority of people who worked in the newspaper, that was not their attitude. Their attitude was we're going to get it right. We're going to get the story correct. Um, and, uh, you know... Um, of course, this is before the Internet really took off. I mean, the Internet existed, but it's before it really took off in a big way. And um, uh, the vast majority of, of writing at that point in time, they got multiple sources for their stories. They, did, they weren't trying to you know, beat some other web page by getting it out, out quickly and, and completely forsaking the getting it right, which you know, now getting it out first gets you the eyeballs and so which essentially means everybody's a gossip rag yeah yeah it really has it's uh, it's uh, you know we talk about all the the wonderful information at your fingertips uh functions of the internet but it also means that we have you know basically 
taken everything that we um, used to rely on for information and turned it into clickbait and gossip because they they got to push it out right away or it just gets buried. You know, whoever's out there first is the one that everybody follows and watches. Um, and that's why some some um, supposed uh, news reporters have gotten caught, you know, making stuff up just to get it out there faster and then, you know, follow with with inf- with actual information later. And, uh, you know, that uh, certainly doesn't go very far towards building trust. No. And that's and that's I think that, you know, we're, we're living in a transitional time. Right. Very Where much so. The old is being it's being uh, replaced with new. And I think that um, uh, that people will perhaps focus on what's more important. I'm, I'm being optimistic, you know, that COVID has taught us that family is important and friends are important and, mm-hmm. and gathering is important and stuff is not as important. Um, I think, um, you know, that, that being more empathetic to our, fa- our fellow man is important, um, you know, and getting it right is important. Nobody likes, nobody wants to be called the purveyor of fake news. Nobody wants to be, be thought of that way. Um, my hope is there's two ways to go with this. Either it leads to newsrooms being more careful or it leads to people wanting to crack down on free speech. And we're seeing, we're seeing efforts in both directions right now. I don't believe that cracking down on free speech is the answer. I believe being more careful about what you put out is the answer. Yeah, I think so. I think that, um, you know, we don't have a, a Walter Cronkite or a David Brinkley type of news person uh, or news station that we go to and just everybody says, okay, well, what he's saying is what's going on. Now, I think everybody um, tends to be a little cynical or they basically fall into a silo. And this is where I have issues with um, the ultimate design of a lot of social media sites, Facebook in particular, in that they they are designed to try to keep you engaged with their website. And so they have that tendency to, hey, he likes this kind of thing or she likes you know, she likes this, so let's find things like that and feed that to her. And what that does is it tends to silo your information. And so, you know, if you show an tendency to, a, a, a tendency to click on things that that um, happen to be, say, of a more liberal slant, then you're going to get lots of things from a more liberal slant, and you never hear the other side of it because that's what's fed to you because they know that's what keeps you clicking. And it was an unintended consequence of of that system and uh let's see so i don't know it's like are I've you got getting so- an update on the fire no i actually just got news in from somebody who's listening to our stream saying that they've got their volume up max but they can barely hear us but i've got our um our levels up high here so i'm not sure what's going on there um and no. i can't adjust the overall levels but oh he said better okay i think it was probably just a stream issue um, you uh, yeah. know how streams kind of fade in and out sometimes, and so do. maybe that's they, what it is. But they uh, do. But you know, I, the, the idea of, of of so much siloing happening, and you know, I, I don't think that when Facebook was created that they said, "Hey, let's let's do this," and and it'll help make people more separate. I think they said, "Hey, let's do this," and we get more people to click on the pages and stay on the pages, and then we can sell more ads to them. Um, and but the unintended consequence is that that you know you get very siloed in your information. You have to really work hard to get out of 
that silo. And I use, you know, getting liberal news as an uh, one aspect of it. It can be lots of things. It could be it could be very, very conservative news. It could be um, not news at all. But, you know, like, you know, you you go into a specific hobby and suddenly you're inundated with things like around that hobby. And so, you know, they want to keep you in that silo of stuff that has you've you've seen interest. And so it really does feed an almost, um, um, uh, you know, like a, a uh, drug users type of of uh, you know pleasure centers keep yeah. getting hit because you you know they keep giving you the things that you you have clicked on and found some interest in and and it's uh, you know there's almost an addictive nature to it and you know I am not generally a person for um, putting um, lots of laws up to prevent businesses from doing what they do but I think we need to look at this carefully and see whether there's some um, some structure that needs to be put around this in order to kind of limit how some of these things work a little bit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not willing to say, hey, let's let's legislate it now, but I think it needs to be looked at for sure. Oh, you know, there's more. I'm I'm on Facebook looking at what um, people are posting about the fire, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, there are people who work at Amazon are saying, oh my God, you know. Um, and it, my heart is breaking for them right now. Um, heart, my heart is breaking right now. Um, another thing that I'm seeing a post from is the NAACP. Um, they have an update about what their demands are, right? So they've been protesting, uh, Mm -hmm. along with black lives matter and pretty much the whole world. And this is what they're demanding. The first thing is a ban on the use of knee holds and choke holds as an acceptable practice for police officers. Two, the use of force continuum for any police department in the country must ensure that there are at least six levels of steps with clear rules on escalation. Three, each state's Open Records Act must ensure officer misconduct information and disciplinary histories are not shielded from the public. Recertification credentials may be denied for police officers if determined that their use of deadly force was unwarranted by federal guidelines. Mm -hmm. And four implementation of citizens review boards in municipalities to hold police departments accountable and build build public confidence mm-hmm. and none Sorry. of that sounds unreasonable in fact um in most states uh, a majority i should I'd say most but a majority of states chokeholds and um and and such are already uh illegal they're not on the books and if a police officer does that then they are not acting as a police officer and they get prosecuted as such california being one of them um i'm curious about the six steps uh, uh, of escalation. Why six? Five is, I mean... I don't know. I, I, I'm curious about it as well, to be honest yeah. with you. So um, I would say know, maybe not... not six steps, but steps that include ABC. You know, that might be a better way to phrase that, but I'm sure they thought about it and figured out what they wanted to say, so... Well, and they wanted to fit in something that would, a, a picture that would easily fit in Facebook and Instagram. Sure. So maybe it drives, maybe you should, maybe, maybe they're hoping that people will go to their website to get more information. Right. Yeah, course. that's, that's true. Yeah. You've got to, you, you know, you can't be very, very verbose there, can you? No, uh, not really. Yeah. Not really. So I, um, one last thing that I noticed that you had on our docket for today, and we didn't even talk about it, is, you know, um, Senator Lisa Murkowski has come out and said that she's not sure that President Trump should be leading the party. And so his response was, I will support anybody who runs against her, any candidate, really. Good, bad, I don't care. I'm endorsing them. If you have a pulse, I'm with you. So he is, now, he is now supporting anybody to run against a Republican senator who disagreed with him or, or verbally 
said that that she didn't think he was necessarily the best person to lead the country. So Isn't yeah, you're that not, pathetic? You're that's not allowed pathetic. to have any dissenting ideas. You know, but the thing is, is that honestly, that's sort of the, the opinion, it seems, on both sides of the party, the, uh, the, the aisle these days. You know, if there's somebody who has dissenting on ideas on one side or the other, it's like, well, then you don't belong here. And it's like, well, great, I don't belong with the other guys either, so what, you know? I really think that we might be seeing some point here in the in the next few years the rise of a third party that just says, you know, we're tired of you two acting like juveniles. Yeah. I really yes. do. Yes. I tell you what, I would look long and hard at a party that that took sort of a, a middle line on, um, a, you know, uh, conservative fiscally, but uh, but uh, empathetic to social needs and say. You know, and the rest of you guys quit acting like children. Yeah, I my hope was that the Libertarian Party would would be that party, yeah. uh, but they they do craziness at their at their conventions. Like they, they had somebody who was naked at their last one at their yeah. you know, during the last election. It was it's like, like, dude, really, come on. Yeah, you know, they I, need, I, if you they need to support, grow up. <laughs> now, yeah, if you want support, now's a good time. This is your time, and yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, and you're out there, um, you know, acting like a bunch of loons who took too much acid in the '60s. Exactly, you know? or smoked too much weed ten minutes ago. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh man, it's like, please, you know? please give us somebody that we can look at with pride and say that's a person I want to lead our country. I think many, many Americans are pretty libertarian. You know, just you, you do you, and I'll do me, and yeah. we'll be good. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's a lot of people have boiled down to that. As long as you're not hurting somebody else, do your own thing, buddy. I'm good with it. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm disgusted. And I have I have gotten t- incredible amounts of heat from people when I've supported the president. Mm-hmm. And I am I am I am frustrated with him. I needed him to be Ronald Reagan through this. I yeah. needed him to be able to. Um, to calm people down, speak with a voice of compassion for all Americans. He's not the white people president. He's the president of the United States, which means he's president of everybody. I wish he would act like it sometime. You know, I didn't vote for him and it doesn't matter. He's our president. So I, I don't understand. First he was, he was hiding and he didn't need to hide. Oh no, he he was inspecting the bunker. Uh, yeah, my eye. And then he comes out and he used a tear gas against his own citizen so he could hold a Bible that upside down, apparently. People said it was upside down <laughs> in front of a church that he doesn't go to. Yeah. What You think we're all stupid? Well, and what the, the pic- heck was that? The pictures I've seen, and I'm sure depending on which news media you're listening to, you'll get a different picture, right? But the pictures I had seen, he's not holding it like you would hold a book or like you would hold it like you're going to read it or like you're revering the, the, the content of it or anything. He's holding it, displaying the spine towards the people as if it was sitting on a bookshelf. I mean, it's the, yes. it's the most awkward thing I've seen. <laughs> I was like, really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's like... And it's really weird, too, as you pointed out. It's like if you say something positive uh, towards one political slant, you get hammered by the other side. And if you say something positive about the other side, then you get hammered by the first ones. You know, it's like, yes, can't you guys set your your emotions aside just long enough to understand that somebody might have an alternative opinion? Yeah. You know, can can you be empathetic just a little bit? And we're not talking about, you know, this isn't he's not my guy. 
he is the president of the United States. And when he does something that is worthy of praise, we should praise him. And when he does something that's worthy of rebuke, we should rebuke him. That's our responsibility as the as voting as the voting public. That's part of the social contract. Yeah, absolutely. I agree so, with you wholeheartedly. I mean, you we know, should hold all of our politicians w- accountable. Yeah, and and people say what you want about George W. Bush. On 9-11, when he crawled up on the rubble and was standing with those firefighters and people said, we can't hear you. And he turned around and said, I can hear you. That's what I needed. That's what I needed from our president through all of this. Yeah. Yeah, that was, you know, spot on, perfect, perfect response. And he had plenty of yeah. bum fumbles. But but in that moment, but in that moment, he 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 said the right thing. He did. He ha- he understood. He wasn't. I, I, I'm, I believe now that our president is incapable of empathy. He he something is broken where he is incapable of empathy, because even somebody who is who is no um, who is not a touchy feely person, even they have the ability to say, wow, I'm sorry you're going through that. Do you know what I'm saying? They have mm-hmm. the ability to say. Um, to listen and to empathize, and even if they don't change their mind, they've 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 calmed people's nerves. They've um, they've helped them through it. They've understood yeah. that other people have feelings too. You can be that shoulder to cry on, and and uh, and you know sometimes you have to be the shoulder for the nation to cry on. Yes, and that's just not him. That's no, not him at it's all. just not him at all. So. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Yeah. So. Well, on that happy note, I think we're kind of wrapping up here. We actually went a little longer than we usually do. Um, so hopefully you'll have time to prep for work. Um, why don't we wrap this up? Sounds good. I appreciate everybody who's listening, Todd. I appreciate um, the work that we do together, your efforts, your prepping, your um, knowledge and and clarity. And I, um, I'm really glad we're doing this. I think it's important to have... Um, have a voice out there. I do. So well, thank you for that. I, 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 I thank you for the uh, opportunity to be here. You know, I mean, I wouldn't have been involved with the radio station at all if you hadn't invited me. And, uh, um, you know, I enjoy doing it. It's I a really blast. Do. So. All um, right. So have a great weekend, everyone. I'm Aaron Yeah, Winter. we'll see you all on Monday or hear, talk to you all on Monday. We won't see anybody on Monday. I, I talk to a screen. <laughs> I see nothing. You know, there's a microphone in my face that blocks my view of my screen half the time. You um, see your wife and three weenie dogs. That's right. I will go hug a, go hug a wiener dog here in a minute and get, probably get barked at by another one because, you know, he's blind and doesn't know who I am. But... Um, you know, such as pet ownership, right? So it's like, exactly. You, you go in there wanting some some affection or want to give some affection to the animal. And the animal looks at like, who are you and what are you trying to do? <laughs> like, I just want to give you a hug. So, All right. Take care. We'll, we'll have talk a great to you weekend. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye.